I got a question for you. Do you remember where you were at March 12th, 2020? Do you remember where you were at on March 12th, 2020? I know there's some of you who are like, that day is a day that I've been, I've been like suppressing in my memory. Because yeah, that's the day like the world seemed to come to an end. You know, Mike, we, 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 don't, we, we can talk of any other day, but we're not going to talk about that day. I've, I've forever forgotten that day in my memory. I can tell you where I was at, though. I was on the ball field at Pangbourne Park. I was uh, we were starting a practice for the Little League team I was coaching that year. And at the beginning of every practice, we go through a, a throwing progression because if you can't throw and catch in ba- Little League baseball, you're going to have a, a long season. And so we were, we were warming up our arms. We are getting ready. We were working on throwing. We were throwing the ball the right way. We were working on catching the ball the right way. That way we could uh, perform well in, in that upcoming season. And then all of a sudden, as we're going through these throwing progressions, my phone is blowing up in my pocket. My phone never rings during practice. You know, maybe it was a, you know, maybe it was a parent saying, hey, um, you know, uh, my child's going to be late. My child's sick. Something happened. We're not, not going to make it. But our whole team was there. I, there, there, there was no reason for my, all of a sudden I look and it's one of my parents and I'm like, why is, why is he calling? <laughs> you know, why, why, why is he calling? And finally I, I, I listen to the voicemail, I get, I get the text and he's like, stop practice immediately because school district had just said, hey, the next day is going to be the last day. We're going to take, we're going to take two weeks off because this thing is going to be two. We're going to take two weeks off, let this thing pass, and then we'll get it right back to, together uh, again. And, and, and then the governor was like, started to shut some things down. And so Little League said, hey, we're going to stop all games, stop all practices. We had no clue what was coming. The governor said, hey, we're not going to have a lot of meetings over 250 people or more. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, you know, cancel those. We're going to try to keep everybody safe. And so we, at, two t- at that point, we had two services. We had plenty of room and two services to accommodate by. So we kept rolling as usual. In fact, that, 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 that Sunday, that Sunday night, a group of friends of us, we got together for dinner. And we're sitting there around the, and lo and behold, the next day, uh, the governor decides to close all in-house dining. And then there was no public gatherings of 10 people or more. And then all of a sudden, David and I got to become experts in how to record and stream worship services so that things could keep going. It was a crazy time. Because in a moment, we went from a church meeting in one location to a church meeting in dozens of locations. We went from, from being at one time in one place, having two services in this location, to having dozens and dozens of services all over our area because you could watch and worship your time on your schedule with whomever you wanted. No longer be tied to doing church at a specific time in a specific place. And there are some, there are some who saw this as a travesty, right? Man, they, they are causing us to forsake the meeting together. I agree. Face-to-face is better. I agree. It's better in-house. It's better when we can all be in the same room hearing one another's voices. Because uh, in our house, we have two really good voices and three voices that are highly questionable. You know? and, and, and here, if you're, if you're like, hey, I don't really have a good voice, we can all kind of just sing along. It's like, oh, all of our voices together sound really good. It's like, hey, your voice makes it for my voice. And, uh, and so but, but, you know, then there's some houses that like, nobody sings like, really well. Like, like my house growing up, no, when I'm the best singer in the group, 
we have issues. And so if we would be doing at-home worship in my house growing up, there would have been a, a, a lot of joyful noise. You know what I mean? A joyful, a joyful noise would have been made, not very much of it on key. But, okay, so it's always better when we're here in-house together because we can hear all of our voices together. We can see each other's smiling faces. We can shake a hand. We can hug a neck. We can, we can have that personal connection. In-person is, is better. I think for a time, it was, it was good for us to maybe not because we weren't sure what was coming out. We weren't sure what was going to happen. In the last two years, uh, think of the um, uh, think of the help that our streaming has been. Maybe there's been a Sunday you've been sick, not been feeling so well. You're like, you know, what? I don't feel like getting up out of bed. I don't feel like going to church today. But you could still participate. Put on your TV. You could watch on your phone, and and you could still feel like you were a part of church that day. Maybe not fully, but you didn't feel like you missed out. Maybe you were maybe maybe you were traveling. Maybe you're on vacation for the weekend, and wherever you're at, you're like, I, I don't know any of these churches, but I, want, I still want to worship with my church family. When Miss Ken and I got away for our 20th wedding anniversary last fall, on the way back, we put, had the service up on Escada's phone. We got to participate as we were driving along, coming back home. Maybe there's some Sundays this, this past winter that you're like, Mike, I don't want to get on the roads. It's too slick. It's too icy. It's just too cold. I'm going to stay in here with my coffee, with my hot chocolate, and I'm just going to stay bundled up here. But you could stay home and you could worship. And so for all the travesty of, of having to keep everybody apart for a period of time, think of all the opportunities that we've had to maybe then also invite a friend over. Maybe there's someone, a friend of yours, who, who, who uh, would never come through a church door. What about friends or family or neighbor who you've been, you've been praying about, you've been uh, building a relationship with, you've been talking to them for years and years and years, and they would never make the trip to come to 10, uh, 10014 Whitehall Road. But they would walk across the street. Or would, they would drive across town, and they would come have breakfast with you on a Sunday morning. Maybe you could sit there in your kitchen, in your living room, sharing some coffee together and worshiping together. Have you ever considered leveraging our online services to have church at your place? And maybe something comes up in the service and your friend has a question. You can pause it. It's okay. We'll still be there. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour later, you can have that conversation in that moment. And maybe that conversation is even more important than anything else we do that day. There's something that sparked some sort of thought, some sort of connection. Have you ever thought about leveraging our online services to have church at your place? Because no longer are we bound to this time in this location. Not just that, but what if we took it one step further? What if we uh, gather together during the week to encourage one another to grow in our faith, to meet the needs of one another, to, to share life with one another, not just here, but out there as well? What if we get together to, to talk and to encourage one another as we grow in our faith? What if someone in that group got sick? What if they had a surgery Coming up, what if there was some sort of need in their life, a need that needed a, a personal touch, one that 
you wouldn't want to broadcast from the stage, but if a small group of people, a small group of close friends knew, they could really provide the help that was needed, the assistance that was needed in that time and in that place. See, it's always easiest to meet the needs of people, to meet the needs of individuals, to solve problems at the lowest possible level. It's easier to have that personal touch, to know the proper context of the issue. And there are times to call upon the resources of a larger body to say, hey, we, this is bigger than just what we can do. And so we need to call on, uh, call on many more friends to come alongside and, and help. But sometimes, sometimes it's just a small personal thing and you don't want everyone to know. And in that moment, when the solution is delivered by those closest to you, the impact, the love felt is always greater. Because in the church, we realize that the closer the touch, the greater the influence. The closer the touch, the greater the influence. And we're going to see that uh, t- today as we open up uh, the book of Acts. We're going to go to chapter 5, and we're going to look at two small verses. Two small verses in Acts chapter 5, verses 41 and 42. The church is growing fast. The church continues uh, to grow and to, to expand its influence. And as the church is growing and thriving, the, the Jewish leaders, well, they're losing influence, and this is making them a little bit upset. And so they begin to per- persecute the church. They're beginning to, to put pressure on the church. They're beginning to act against the church. And as, even as they do that, God still blesses their work. God still blesses the work of, of these new believers. And as the church is growing, they... They're still focused, they're focusing not just on, on the size of the, of the believers of, uh, as a whole, but they're, they're meeting together in small groups. They're meeting together in, 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 in smaller groups so that way they can have, they can help grow people uh, at different stages along the way. Some have been there from the beginning. Some have been there since Pentecost, but some have come in later. And so they're helping teach and train and, and grow them all along their different uh, places of maturity. See, they, it wasn't that they're just looking for more and more people. They also wanted to help the people that they've reached reach their fullest potential in Jesus. Uh, Luke writes for us these words. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus was the Messiah. See, the disciples, uh, throughout this whole time, they continue to teach, they continue to preach, they continue to do this in the public square. And if you remember, in Acts chapter 3, Peter heals the lame man, and he preaches the sermon, and he gets arrested, he and John get arrested, <coughs> arrested, and they tell him, stop, stop, you know, connecting our name with the death of Jesus. Stop. You're blaming us for, for his death in the public square. Stop doing that. And they said, well, we're going to keep doing it. Just let you know. And they, did, they, they kept teaching, they kept preaching. And you're thinking, hey, maybe if they would just been quiet, things would have been okay. But they knew that they had to obey God and not man. They'd obey God and not man. And so they uh, continued to teach, they continued to preach, and, and they continued uh, to do these things out in the open. 
And some wanted to pull that verse that they, they chose to obey God rather than man. Some people wanted to use that when our public gatherings were put on hold. But I thought that was a misinterpretation because we were never told not to talk about Jesus. We said, hey, for the public safety for a certain time, we're going to uh, not have large gatherings because we'd rather not a whole bunch of people get sick. We weren't sure how things were spreading. They weren't sure how the information, we just weren't sure about things at that time. So we weren't told we couldn't preach. We weren't told we couldn't teach anymore. It changed how we did things. They said, hey, because if, 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 if the government would have said, hey, you can't preach about Jesus during COVID, um, we would have kept rolling. Because that's what we do. Jesus has changed our life. He has, he has, he has made our life better. And so we're gonna, we would have said the same thing. We're going to keep preaching and teaching about the things that we've seen and things that we've heard. We, Jesus has changed our life. We're going to keep talking about those things. So that's what they did. They kept teaching. They kept preaching about Jesus. And, 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 and the church kept growing. We're going to go keep obeying God rather than you. And so once again, they're there in the temple courts. They are teaching. They are preaching. And they get arrested again. And they get brought before the court again. And this time, they come down a little bit harder. In fact, they uh, were, uh, the, 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 the leaders decided they would flog them and then release them. Now, Jewish flogging and Roman flogging are different. Uh, the, 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 the Jewish flogging had limits to it. They determined at some point somewhere that uh, to beat someone over 40 times, more than 40 times was abuse, was unnecessary. And so uh, you will hear maybe at different times when, when Paul talks about the ways he, he's been persecuted, he said he received the 40 lashes minus one. Instead of just saying 39 lashes, they said 40 lashes. Because anything more than 40 was, was, was abuse. And so they said, you know what, to, to keep ourselves away from going over 40, we're just going to stop at 39. Because maybe we miscounted. Maybe someone didn't count the one. And so we'd rather stop short than go over. And so, they, they, so they, they, they come in before the court. They, they said, hey, we're going to flog you and we're going to release you. They got 39 lashes. Who, who, the, whoever had been there that day, whoever was arrested at that time. The Roman flogging, though, Roman flogging had no such conditions for abuse. And so they could beat them and beat them and beat them and beat them. And oftentimes people died just from the flogging alone. So the flogging Jesus received was a Roman flogging. Flogging that the disciples received on this day was a Jewish flogging. They stopped at 39. Jesus, we don't know how many times he was whipped. So they're flogged. The release are told, hey, stop preaching and teaching about the name of Jesus. And they left the Sanhedrin that day rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. How our perspective persecution and suffering has changed. See, instead, and so when we feel persecuted, when we feel attacked, when we feel hurt in these ways, sometimes we go, but our, our rights are being taken away. Instead of considering what new doors and what new pathways might be open before us. Sometimes we complain that, that, that what we've always known has been taken away from us. This is, this is, this is what we've always done. This is, this is how we have always done things. Have you ever heard that phrase in the church before? It's the, just the way we do things. 
We've always done things that way. And sometimes that's good. There are certain things in the church I'm glad that we do. I'm glad that we uh, come around the Lord's table every day, every Sunday. I'm glad that we uh, remember the sacrifice of Jesus every Sunday. I'm glad that we sing songs. You know, I'm not a great singer. There's something about music that just lifts our soul, doesn't it? There's something about, there's something about music that gets deeper than any words that I could ever say. It, it, even the words of scripture, sometimes the words of a song just with the, with the, with the rhyme and with the, with, the, with the instrumentation, with just the emotion in it, sometimes it gets deeper than anything else that, can, that, that happens in this room. I'm glad that we have preaching every Sunday. Not that I get to do it every Sunday because I, I love it, I enjoy it. Sometimes I love, I love listening. I love hearing other people teach and preach God's word. I think it reminds us that this is, this is our base. This is our foundation. This is where we go for our, 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 our perspective. This is where we go for our wisdom. This is where we go for our instruction and direction in life. There are certain things I'm glad we do every Sunday. But sometimes new ways can be better. Sometimes new ways can be better. Sometimes we get so stuck on the status quo that we don't see other opportunities that might be available. And when we get stuck on the status quo, the early church, they learned to pivot. They learned to pivot to what was available. And notice what they did. They didn't back down. It's like the apostles left the Sanhedrin. They rejoiced uh, because they had been counted worthy of, uh, for, for, for suffering disgrace for the name. Uh, but, but then they just stopped. They all went back home. Peter and James, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they went back to fishing. And you know, Matthew went back to collecting taxes. They went to, no. this day after day. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they kept going. They kept doing what they'd always been doing. They continued to meet together, but they, 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 they kind of uh, diversified. They, they, they went with a two-pronged attack. One was very public, right? In the temple courts, you can't get any more public than that. You know, there was uh, these different courts around the temple. You had some that were kind of a marketplace, some that were more spiritual, some that were more uh, public domain, and they met in the, public, in the temple courts. They met together out in the open every day. And that's like us gathering together here every Sunday. We come into this place. We know at, at, at you know, about 9 o'clock, we're going to have a, a Bible study that starts. So we're going to get together. We're going to open up God's Word. We're going to learn and we're going to study together. We know that about 10 o'clock, we're going to meet right in here and we're going to have some songs. We're going to have communion. We're going to have a sermon. We're going to have some time of encouragement together. They met publicly. We meet publicly. But they also met more privately. In, in, in smaller groups, from house to house. Because how, how many of y'all have a home big enough to like hold all of us in there together? You know, maybe if we're like coming in and going, you know, like, like we do at Christmas at our house. But, but if, if everybody showed up at our house at the exact same time, Merry Christmas to you. Right? I mean, it would be very tight. It would be very hot and, and it would be really warm. Be, there wouldn't be a lot of space. But, but, but we meet together in big groups and we meet together in, in smaller groups. And these smaller groups are great for, 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 for helping to, to, to grow, helping to encourage in a, in a, in a much more uh, exacting way. One was great for drawing a crowd. When you have a large group, 
More people are like, what's going on over there? And they will all flock and see. And one is better for developing a core. One can be large and, and loud, but the other can be smaller and more nimble. A little more agile, moving from here or there. They could go from house to house. See, the early church, they didn't put all their eggs into one ministry basket. They diversified their offerings and they made a greater impact. One so great that they began to receive more and more pressure from the religious leaders to stop or face consequences. You see, if the early church, the early church wasn't being effective, the early church remained small, I'm pretty sure the Jewish religious leaders would have just left them alone. They would have allowed them to peacefully coexist together. But as the early church continued to grow and continued to see their influence you know, gain more and more traction, the Jewish religious leaders saw their influence and saw their numbers dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. And so what did they do? They began to exert pressure. They began to uh, try to, 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 to squash this new uprising. And that's where this two-pronged approach helped. It wasn't just about growing faster and faster. It wasn't just growing bigger and bigger. They also had smaller, house, smaller groups that met in people's homes. So they had opportunities to capitalize on things of scale and also capitalize on smaller, more intimate opportunities. And these two groups had two purposes. And no matter where they met, they did the same things. This was always about Jesus. From day to day in temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. It was always about Jesus. It was always about the gospel. It was always about what Jesus did for us. And sometimes they did more teaching and, and, and going a little bit deeper. And sometimes it was a big proclamation. And those two words, those two words have very distinct meanings. The word teaching is exactly what it sounds like. It's teaching. It's something you might do in a classroom, something you might do more around a table, more, or, you know, if you've ever been tutored by someone, if you've ever been apprenticed by someone. That's what teaching is. And so they would have these small opportunities where they would gather together and they would teach. And you're like, well, Mike, wasn't Peter teaching on Pentecost? Didn't Peter do teaching in his sermon in Acts 3? Yeah, in those big, you know, in the, in the big, large group thing, Peter was still doing teaching. But they really focused more on that when they were in, some, in smaller places. In smaller groups, in, in, in these homes, they were able to go a little bit deeper because people would be able to ask questions. Yeah, in, 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 in Jewish, um, like in synagogue classes and, and some of those things, they, they read a lot of their learning by asking questions. There's a lot more question and answer. There's a lot more dialogue and not, you know, expert speaker in the front and then everybody just listen and take notes. There was conversation. There was question and answer and, and question followed by a question followed by a question. And, and these questions led them to the wisdom, led them to the answers that they were looking for. For. And so they brought that with them, even into uh, this new expression of church and faith. They'd have conversations, they'd have debates that would sharpen everyone's thinking and help them grow and develop their faith. So the word teaching means to teach. And the word proclaiming, well, the word proclaiming is where we get our word evangelism. It's the Greek word euangelion. It literally means good news. We call evangelism, what we call gospel, what we call, what we call it the good news, because it's literally what the word means. They proclaimed the good news about who Jesus 
is and what he did for us. And when you read through the sermons in Acts 2 and the sermons in Acts 3, and you see the other sermons all throughout the book of Acts, you always see them proclaiming the good news. You always hear them telling about what Jesus, how Jesus came, how he died for us, how, how he, his, his, his death brings about the opportunity for us to have God's grace and forgiveness through repentance and baptism. That way we can have experience salvation in Jesus. Proclamation can happen in large groups. Proclamation can happen in small groups. Teaching can happen in large groups. Teaching can happen in small groups. It can happen in these public places as well as private conversations. And wherever they went, whatever they did, wherever they, whenever they had these opportunities, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news about Jesus. As you read through the book of Acts, as you read through uh, some of uh, Paul's letters, you, you, you realize that these smaller in-home gatherings begin to have a bit more of a prominent place in the advancement of the gospel. You, re- you turn to Acts chapter 16, and you, you see Paul. He goes to uh, this uh, Roman city called Philippi. And, and there, uh, before, you know, when, he, when he first gets there, and before he leaves, there's already a, a group of believers. By, by the time he leaves, there's this group of believers that are using this lady uh, named Lydia. Her house is like their home base. Like when they got together for church, they didn't go to the, 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 the marketplace. They didn't go to this place. They... They, they all had church at Lydia's house. They, they all got together there. You, you'll read in um, it's Acts 18. There's a, a young man named Apollos. He is a powerful speaker, but he, he doesn't know what he doesn't know about Jesus. And so he's, he's teaching what he does, but, but he, he doesn't understand the gospel fully. And so uh, Priscilla and her husband, Aquila, uh, they meet Apollos, and they hear Apollos, and they see a lot of potential in him. But they're like, man, you're missing just a little bit. Why don't you come to, just come to our house? They had Apollos over, and Luke says they taught him the way of Jesus more accurately. You read in Paul's letters, as he gives greetings at the beginning and ending of of his letters, uh, greetings from the church that meets at Loretta's house to you. Or it'd be like, you, you know, give greetings to the, the, the church that meets at Jeff's house. There's these churches, there's these gatherings of believers that met in other people's homes. They met corporately, they, they met in large groups, but they also met in smaller houses here and there. And it gave them the opportunity to have uh, uh, the uh, things of size, to be able to, to, to capitalize on, on, on things of scale. It also helped them to be smaller and more intimate, to capitalize on relationships where they might have been scared to approach in, in a larger group, but they, might, they, but they would be able to investigate and grow in, in, in a smaller, warmer environment. See, churches are not always met in buildings. They've not always had a consistent public place to gather. And churches and cathedrals, they're they're meant to give us this picture, this grandness of God. That's why a lot of the old churches, a lot of the old cathedrals, they have these really tall ceilings and they have these really big, grand, uh, kind of almost, it seems maybe to some of us, maybe even even a little bit showy kind of displays in the front, maybe with a stained glass and and you see all this as it's fancy and it's ornate. And it's to give us this picture of the grandness and largeness of who God is. And as we gather together as a body, it's to give us this picture of the grandness of God. That 
that that God's people is more than just me and God's people is more than just my family, that that there's all these other family, all the other friends that meet in other places, that live in other places, that live either close to me or even far away, and we all gather together to be part of one body. We know that as some go to West Virginia and some go to Pennsylvania and some stay here in Maryland and we travel kind of all throughout during the week, that we all take a bit of God with us where we go. We take Jesus with us where we go. As we take the church with us where we go. As we see the grandness and greatness and largeness of God together. But then we also remember that God cares for each and every one of us. On a smaller level as well. And as we come and as we go, we're reminded that the closer the touch, the greater the influence. Closer the touch, the greater the influence. We need both large groups and small groups to take care of the needs of the body. We need large groups where we can gather and take in God's great grandness and encouragement to be reminded that we are not alone. But we also need smaller groups, smaller collections of people so the needs of those in our body are not neglected. Like I said earlier, there are certain things you might share with a few friends over a table, around a living room, that you would never come up here on stage to say. But you want someone to know, and you need someone to know. You might need someone to come alongside of you and take care of you. You might need someone to, to, to supply a few meals, to, 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 to provide a, a, a ride, to, to, to have some care, to, to have that, that, that kind of touch that only a friend can have, and one that you don't need everybody to know. We need large groups so we can be reminded and we can be encouraged in these larger ways, but we also need smaller groups where we can take care of not just the spiritual but the physical and the emotional, maybe even the financial needs that we may have. There are certain things we we will confide with in a friend, but we don't want publicly said. And sometimes conversations and growth can be better had in a small group, around a living room, around a kitchen table. They can even even talked about or, or learned from someone who speaks from the stage. Sometimes the closer the touch, the greater the influence. So maybe today as we think about these two small verses that Luke kind of puts in here as he, as he begins to wrap up one section and move on to another, that the, the, these, what, what, what can we do with these, these two verses? Maybe one step you need to take today is to connect to a group. So you might, I've been uh, apart from a small group for a while. I've been apart from, uh, from a Bible study for, 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 for a while. And so maybe I need to, to take that step to, to gather together with a small group of people to where we can study together, where we can grow together, where we can learn together, where we can do life together. And currently we have two groups that are meeting. Both meet on Sundays. One meets at Sunday mornings at 9. And the other means it's Sunday on Sunday evenings at six. It runs at the same time as our youth group. Thinking that, hey, you can bring your kids to youth group. You can stay for Bible study. And then we can all go home together. We can have both had a time to gather in a smaller group of, of, of a like age and, and like kind of situation. And we can grow in our faith and our knowledge of scripture. And we can go and we can live out that faith each week. 
We currently don't have childcare, but childcare can be arranged if that would be a need. And currently both groups meet here at the church, which on one hand is, could be good because we all know where it's at and we all know how long it takes us to get to that place and we all kind of feel comfortable in this place. But wouldn't it be awesome if we had groups that met throughout our area each week? Some churches say, that, say it this way, that circles are better than rows. We gather together here, we're all in a row, we all look in one direction because for some reason we think the person in the front is an expert. I'm not an expert. I'm just the one giving the microphone. But sometimes when we gather in circles, we all feel free to share. We all feel free to, 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 uh, uh, to, to, to participate. And I believe this to be true, that circles are better than rows. That there's pow- yes, there's power in public proclamation, but there can be even greater power in life-on-life discipleship. And so maybe, maybe you would want to step into this role maybe as a coach take on the leadership of a, of a group. And you're like, Mike, I, I may not be an expert. I may not feel really comfortable leading and, and, and fully teaching, but could you, maybe you could facilitate. Do you know how to ask some questions? Do you know how to press play on a video? Do you know how to uh, interact in, uh, with discussion questions? We have some curriculum that you could use to increase your Bible IQ and those in your group as well. We can develop, we can, we can look to, to develop other kind of curriculum that would go along with the sermons that we are teaching on. So we always have uh, uh, current uh, lessons that really would help us continue to grow in our faith. So maybe today you need to make one of those your decision. Maybe that, that, hey, next, I need, I, need, I need to connect. I need to know when and where to meet with a group. Maybe you want to uh, uh, take part in, in leading a group or, or think about consider leading a group. You can let us know by filling out the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect. Maybe today, maybe today the next step you need to take is your very first step to choose Jesus as your Savior, to commit to baptism, to walk daily with him, to accept the grace that he purchased for us on the cross, you can let us know there as well. Maybe before you leave today, you want to share your next step with someone. You can share that with, with me or with David, anyone you saw on stage today. Share it with a friend. That way, together, we can help one another walk and grow in our faith. See, if circles are better than rows, and the closer the touch, the greater the influence, then I think it might be time for us to break out of these four walls of our building and to begin to take the good news with us, to take Jesus with us wherever we go this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the way that you have touched each and every one of our lives, the way that you have um, saved us, the way you have loved us, the way you've cared for us. Father, I pray that the love that has been shown to us, we would freely share with others. That, Father, through, um, through all that you've given us, <clears throat> through your son Jesus, Father, might we share him with this world, teaching and proclaiming him wherever we go. That the good news that the gospel has changed us, may it change our world around us, may we transform our community, the good of you, that we might see a different world, a better world, a world that loves you and worships you and, and begins to orient itself around, around who you are. Father, we thank you that you've saved us, and we pray that you would go with us now to love others well and to show and share with them the gospel. 
We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And we are glad that you've joined us this week. We hope that you have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.